Let's look. No, I'm just kidding. No. How many, you know, how many are, I mean, really just, this is one of the highlights of my week is being able to come and spend time with my church family who I love and miss. And it's been such a weird time for us. And it's going to continue kind of to be a strange time until things start to get fully lifted. And then when they are, then I believe we'll all come back together as church family and we'll be uh, able to shake necks and hug hands and do all the things that we want to do and love to do. We're so glad you're joining us here this morning, not just uh, here in the building, but also those watching online. God bless you. We're so glad you can join us. Uh, This week, we are going to continue in the series called I Am. Uh, So, how many know the ones that we've covered so far? Can you can you have great memories to where you can recall the four that we've covered so far? Are Jesus is the bread of life. He said, "I am the bread of life." He said, "I am the light of the world." Right? Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus says he is the door. He is the gate. And then two weeks ago, we covered that Jesus says, "I am the good shepherd." Amen. Amen. Let's pray this morning before we get into the Word. Lord, I thank you for the message this morning. I thank you for the message this morning. I thank you for your Word. I thank you for the Scriptures. Lord, I pray that as uh, we encounter this familiar story, as we encounter this familiar account, Lord, I pray that it wouldn't be lost on us. I pray that it wouldn't just be, well, I've heard this before, but Lord, that you would give us new eyes to see what you want to show us. Lord, I thank you and praise you for your grace in my life this morning. Lord, I pray that the words that are spoken are your words and not mine. Lord, that the thoughts that I have are your thoughts and not mine. Let each person have ears to hear and eyes to see as we go over your word this morning. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. As I was preparing the message this morning, I began to remember just how familiar this is. It's the story of Lazarus. How many know the story of Lazarus? Most are pretty familiar with it. It's a very familiar story. It's a scripture that I've preached on before, and I undoubtedly will preach on again. Louise, it's one of those stories that you kind of come back to. It's Jesus feeding of the 5,000, the birth story, the, the crucifixion. There's certain, there are certain accounts in Bible that you just kind of come to over and over again. Uh, for I was actually looking over and preparing the message in... Uh, I looked at, do you guys remember when we went over the Gospel of John? Went over the Gospel, it was about two, it was a little over two years ago, and I preached on Lazarus. And so if this sounds familiar to some, that's because it is a little familiar to some. But I pray that this message would carry the weight of God's Word this morning. Amen? That we don't just gloss over it and say, I've heard this before, I've, I've heard the story before, I've heard this account before. But I pray that this morning he would speak even as all the things are going on in this world, that he would speak comfort to you this morning. I really pray, I I pray that he would speak peace to you this morning. I pray that you would be encouraged this morning, right, Louise? Be encouraged this morning. Amen? Amen. Verse number 1 through 5 from John chapter 11 says this. Mikey, you got that? Awesome. Now a certain man, say a certain man, was ill. Lazarus of Bethany the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. Guys, pop something? I think I popped something by turning the fan on. That's okay. 
So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. We see that Lazarus was ill. When uh, we use the term a certain man, right? You just said it before, say a certain man. What is a certain man? A certain man, uh, many times in the wording, it's a reference to a person with a great need. How many have a need this morning? If you have a great need this morning, hey, I have a need this morning. Uh, there, we are entirely blessed in our lives, right? We're, we're blessed in our lives. We have our, with our kids and with all the things that are happening right now, we are entirely blessed. But I have a need this morning. I need to be close to my Savior this morning. I need to have personal relationship with Christ this morning. I can't just do it on my own. I don't want to do it on my own. I don't think you want me to do it on my own. Am I right? Come on. If it's just me, you might as well go home. If it's just me, you might as well, hey, look around, shake hands. Here you go. Hey, how are you? God bless you. Oh, let's go get something to eat and leave. If it's just me, it's just a motivational speech. But when it's the inspired word of God, it's what changes our lives. Amen? And so Lazarus is ill. In fact, he's so ill, he's dying. He's ill. He's dying. His sisters are Mary and Martha. They are key players in the life of Jesus. Mary and Martha, they, are, they, they know of his miracles. How many uh, remember when Mary and Martha, they're cleaning, one's cleaning, one's sitting at his feet? It's Mary and Martha. Martha's the one cleaning. Mary's the one sitting. It's clear that Jesus is very close to this family. It says Jesus loved Martha, loved her sister, and Lazarus. It's clear that he's very close to the family, but when Jesus hears that he's ill, he responds in a weird way. Go to the next slide. It says this, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. When he heard his friend is sick and dying, he says, no, I'm, I'm going to stay two days longer. Now, this is kind of a strange reaction. It doesn't, make enough, it doesn't make a lot of sense, okay? If you hear that a friend is sick and dying, I mean, they're on their deathbed, the normal reaction would be to what? Louise? Peg? rush to them, right? You get there as quickly as you can. That's the normal reaction. When you hear the family's called in, flights are booked, right? I mean, bags are packed, and you get on the road, you get there as quickly as you can because you want to see them before they pass. That's the normal reaction, but Jesus doesn't do that. He waits. Jesus says, no, no, I'm going to wait two days. Not one day, which would seem to be a lot, but two days. And then it says this, verse 7. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And you want to go back there? They say, you want to go there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. After two days, he says, Okay, I'm ready. Let's go. I'm ready. Let's go. We're going to go see Lazarus. 
And they say, hold on a second. You want to go back there? They're trying to stone you. They're trying to kill you. Jesus, it's not a good idea. I like how Jesus kind of responds. He says, look, we work 12 hours during the day. I'm still working. Don't worry. That's what he's saying. He says, There's 12 hours in a day. I'm still working right now. Don't worry about this. I'll be fine. And then he says, Lazarus hasn't fallen asleep, but I got to go wake him up. He's fallen asleep. I got to go wake him up. He's not dead. He's just falling asleep. I got to go wake him up. And then verse 12 says this. The disciple said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant he was taking a rest. They thought he was resting in sleep. The disciples had gotten the same message Jesus got, right? Same message. Lazarus is sick. He's dying. Got the very same message that Jesus got. So when they hear Jesus say that he's sleeping, he's going to wake him up, they respond with this kind of naive statement, right? They respond with, well, Jesus, I mean, if he's just sleeping, if he's just sleeping, he'll recover. If he's just sleeping, he'll recover. Lord, if he's napping, he'll get better. So Jesus decides, listen, I'm just going to shoot straight with you, okay? You guys aren't getting it, so let me just shoot straight with you. Verse 14 says this. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. At first, Jesus is kind of speaking to them in a way they don't quite understand, Louise. How many ever had Jesus speak to you in a way you don't quite understand? I have. There's, time, there's times where God guides me or leads me in my life, and I go, God, I don't get it. I don't understand why I had to go through this. I don't understand why I'm going through this. I don't understand why we have to go over these obstacles or over these hills. Or I don't understand the lessons that I'm learning right now, Lord. How many are so grateful when Jesus makes it plain to us? Jesus makes it plain to us and says, listen, Lazarus is dead. The disciples must have been like, well, what are, why were two, two days ago we heard this? Two days, we could have been here two days earlier. Lazarus is dying. He's on his deathbed, and we could have seen him before he died. Jesus says, no, listen, he's dead. Then he says this, verse 15. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. The disciples say, whoa, hold on. Lazarus is dead? He says, hold on. No, no, no. I'm glad I wasn't there for your sake. So Thomas, how many of you know Thomas? Thomas is also known by what name? Doubting Thomas, right? Doubting Thomas has a moment of redemption here. And uh, it's not really a moment of redemption because his doubt comes later on. But you know what I'm saying. He says this, Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, I like this response. Let us also go that we may die with him. The response from Thomas, who's known as Doubting Thomas later on, the response right now is, listen, if we're going to die, if it's time, it's time. If it's time, it's time. He's known for his doubt, but he shows real courage here. That says, listen, we're going to stick with Jesus and let's go. If we die, we die. So they make their way towards Lazarus. They start the journey. Two days. They could have been there earlier. 
They start their journey and they get there. Verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Four days he'd been in the tomb. Yeah. There was a stench by this time. There was an odor by this time, right? This is, this is starting to get a little ripe. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when, G, when Martha heard that Jesus was com, coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Lazarus has just died. Four days he's been in the tomb. They've already, the, the, the family's grieving now, right? Imagine if somebody dies, four days later, they're still, you're still grieving. Martha hears that Jesus is coming and goes to him. Mary stays at the house. It may not seem like it's an important fact. And I've talked about this before, but the status of Mary points to her despair. Status of Martha hears Jesus is coming down the road. Susan, Martha hears Jesus is coming. And okay, I'm going to run. I'm going to go to Jesus. I, I got some things to say to Jesus. Mary is just devastated. Mary's not going anywhere. It speaks of depression. It speaks of despair. Jesus is there. This, the healer, the, the miracle worker is coming. They, they've been so close to him. They've been close like family. But her grief doesn't allow her to move. I don't know if you've ever been there. Where your grief just doesn't allow you to move. I don't know if you've ever been in the place where your despair and your depression just doesn't allow you to get close to him. The, the family that's there, they're, they're close. They're trying to console them. They're trying to console the family. You imagine they're, they have a kitchen and it's filled with casseroles. Because that's what they do at funerals, right? They give them, what do they, what do they give them here? What's the casseroles, right? Hot dish? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Filled with cakes and pies and all sorts of different things. The kitchen's probably filled with food. Martha hears Jesus is coming and goes, and Martha has a knack about her. Martha likes to speak exactly what's on her mind. How many know there's some people that do that? Martha likes to speak exactly what's on her mind. She says in verse 21, she says this, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She knows he's the healer. She knows he's the miracle worker, right? If you had been here, Jesus, if you had been here, you wouldn't have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. There's an anger, but there's a faith. There's a real, true reaction to death of her, the death of her brother. And then there's like, Lord, if you had been here, he, he wouldn't have died. But I know that whatever you ask, God will do for you. Jesus says to her these words. Go to the next slide. 
your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Martha doesn't quite understand it here. Martha, I know that, that Martha says, I know he's going to, you know, the, the last day, the end of days, he's going to be part of the resurrection. He'll be alive again, right? Jesus says these words, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes, that's right, amen, come on. Whoever believes in me shall never die. Sorry, whoever believes in me, there it is. Though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. This is important. Martha is saying, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ. You are the son of God who is coming into this world. It is an affirmation of his deity. It's an affirmation that he is the son of God. It's an affirmation that he is the Messiah to come. It's interesting because at first her reaction is, yes, Lord, I know. I know he's going to rise again someday. I know he'll be part of the resurrection at the end times. Jesus here gives us the fifth I am. We're talking about the I am's statements of Christ, the fifth I am. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe me? I am the resurrection. Martha, understand something. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe me? She says, yes, Lord. You are the Christ. You are the Son of God. Verse 28. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. Now he's not two miles off. Now he's there. Master's here, Mary. Mary, he's calling your name. I imagine out of this despair and depression, she pulls herself out of bed. Walks out the door. She rose quickly and went to him. Verse 30 says, now Jesus had not yet come into the village. He was still in the place where Martha had met him. So now they see the, the Jews are there, the, the people that are comforting her. The people are there with the casseroles and the pies and the cakes. They're, they're doing what they can to bring some sort of comfort. And now all of a sudden Mary gets out of her bed and runs out of the house. Because the master has called her name. I said he wasn't two miles away earlier. He's still two miles away. <laughs> He's still a ways away. He's still where Mar Martha met him, right? Mar Mary now, she rises quickly. She goes, verse 31. When the Jews who were with her in the house consoling saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her. Something must be going on. Mary's just leaving. Let's, let's follow her. What's going on? Supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying the same thing that Martha had said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's the same despair reaction when we don't understand the purpose of God we will accuse him of wrongdoing when we don't understand the purpose of God's plan we will accuse him of wrongdoing if we can see I like this I like what 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 we see here because Jesus sees Martha's 
anger and despair. Jesus sees Mary's anger and despair. And then we see Jesus in this way. Verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. The shortest verse in all of Scripture is these words, Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could, he, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? If we see anything about this picture of Scripture, it's this. If we see anything about this passage, it's this. Jesus identifies with our pain. Jesus identifies with our mourning. Jesus identifies with our despair. Jesus identifies with our discomfort. Jesus identifies with our sorrow. He sees Mary weeping, but the wording here is inaccurate. It's, it's inadequate. When we say Mary's weeping, the wording here is Mary is, is, is loudly groaning. She's in such a place of despair. Lord, if you had just been there. Lord, if you had just been there. My brother would not be dead. It's groaning, it's anger, it's despair, it's depression, it's sorrow. And Jesus sees it and understands it. And he weeps with her. I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know the discomfort level you're feeling this morning. I don't know the agony you might be going through. But Jesus understands. And as you're groaning, as you're weeping, as you're in sorrow, you can rest assured that Jesus wept with Mary. And he understands what you're going through. He doesn't blame you for the anger. He doesn't blame you for the depression. He doesn't blame you for the despair. Because there's sometimes where in our humanity, we just have to go through it. And Jesus understands that and he weeps with us. Jesus doesn't shy away from the moments in our lives where we are weeping, right? Jesus doesn't shy away from those times in our lives. Jesus draws us closer. He holds us tighter. Some of the people, they start to question his power. Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind also kept this man from dying? Who are you to question God? Who are you to question not knowing his purpose? Not knowing the plan? It's an honest question. Honestly, to be, to be transparent, it's a frustrating reality. 
How many, how many know it's frustrating when we can't understand why some people receive healing and others don't? It's a frustrating reality. It's a frustrating thing, Lord. Why did this little boy have to die while others live? I think about Chris and Christine McCarley. I can't help it. I can't help but think, God, thank you for being there with their weeping. Thank you for being there in their mourning. Thank you for being there in their sorrow. When we experience death and tragedy and, and loss, Jesus is there with us. The Greeks have a word uh, describing God. The primary characteristic of God was what was known as apatheia. It's where we get the word apathy. Just this, this total inability to feel emotion whatsoever. And so the way that they, they, they pictured God was just God is, is this isolated, passionless, compassionless God. And let me, let me assure you, that is not the God of the Bible. That is not the God of the Bible. The people that were questioning the power of Jesus were sincere in their question. But they're limited in their perspective. We can be sincere in our questioning, but be limited in our perspective. And until our perspective comes in line with the perspective of God, we're only going to see partial. Right? The Bible says, Paul talks about uh, that we only see through a mirror dimly, 1 Corinthians 13. We see through a mirror dimly, right now dimly, but then face to face, right? I like that. Someday we're going to see clearly God's plan. Someday we're going to understand clearly what's going on. Someday we're going to understand clearly, God, why did I have to go through this? Why did they have to go through this? What, what was the plan here? But right now, we look at it from a limited perspective. We see things dimly. And so are these people that are questioning the power of Jesus. But now we get to see the purpose in Jesus coming here. Verse 38 says this, Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and the stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, they don't call him, call him Lazarus right now. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. I don't want to gloss over the fact that Jesus is deeply moved again. He's moved by their sorrow. He's moved by their mourning. And now he's moved by something else within him. The wording here isn't, suggest, isn't to suggest that he's moved by sadness, but more that he's moved by anger. He is groaning within himself. The theologian John Calvin said these words are important. Christ does not come to the tomb as an idle spectator, but like a wrestler preparing for the contest. 
Therefore, no wonder that he groans again, for the violent tyranny of death which he had overcome stands now before his eyes. Jesus' mission was to overcome death, and now he sees death right there. There's no question about the state of Lazarus, right? There's no question about the state of Lazarus. He's dead. He's a dead man. He's been in the cave four days. It stinks in there now. There's an odor in there now. His body has become the, begun the process of decaying, right? Martha points this obvious fact out. Lord, by this time there'll be an odor. Verse 40 says this. Jesus said to her, Martha, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? I like that. Did I not tell you, Martha, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. There's an issue here of authority. There's an interesting perspective here about authority. Jesus, even as he's about to shake the heavens, says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. This is all for the glory of God. This is all for the glory of God. This is the reason Jesus is here. This is the reason he waited two days, right? This is the reason the family went through grief and agony. Because sometimes, and you understand this, faith doesn't come by so easily. Am I right? Faith doesn't always come so easily. Sometimes it takes pain and groanings. But ultimately, it takes our obedience. We need to understand that, yes, there is, there is groanings and there is pain, but ultimately faith requires our obedience. When Christ commands the stone to be moved, we better put our faith to action and move the boulder, right? That's an act of faith on their part. Jesus says it's time to move the stone, and they got to be thinking, what is going on here? We were at the funeral, Right? We, we can smell that there's, probably, I mean, there's something kind of emanating from the stone now. Jesus says, move the stone. And so in an act of faith, they move the stone. And then it's where Jesus stands at the tomb and says the words we're so familiar with. Verse 43, he says, when, or the Bible says, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Say, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out. His hands and his feet bound with linen strips. His face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. I want you to picture this. He's wrapped in linen cloths. He has a cloth covering his face, and he just... 
Lazarus, come out. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. <laughs> he gets out of the cave. Yes, Ella. He gets out of the cave. He says, unbind that man. He's been set free. There's a freedom. Everything that the people had gone through, everything that Mary had gone through, everything that Martha had gone through, let alone what Lazarus went through, was all for this purpose, to show the glory of God to the people. He's still wearing his death garments. Gotta imagine that when he hears the voice of Jesus, it's a struggle. I gotta imagine that when he hears the voice of Jesus, it's a struggle. There's a story. Uh, I believe the source. I don't believe. I don't have any reason to believe it's not true. There's a man uh, years ago named Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth had a powerful ministry healing people, people delivered, set free in his ministry. He was a plumber until the age of 40. He couldn't read. But God had called him into ministry. He had such a powerful faith and reliance upon God. He learned how to read through his wife and then went into ministry. And he was one of those men that just a, a different kind of anointing on him. One pastor went to his house. I believe it was a all help me peg Lassie Ministries. Uh, Dr. Lester Summerall. Dr. Lester Summerall goes to his house, and Smith Wigglesworth opens the door and he says, "What's that under your arm there?" And Dr. Summerall says, "It's a newspaper." He says, "Throw it in the bushes. There's nothing in this house except the Word of God." It's the kind of, I mean, this is the mission that this man was on. Dr. Summerall said, I threw the paper in the bushes, went in the house, and we prayed for an hour. And then we read the Bible for an hour. And then we prayed for an hour. <laughs> and then we read the Bible for an hour. And then we had lunch. And we prayed for an hour. And we read the Bible for an hour. He just, this is a man who understood the mission that God had given him and just saturated his life with the presence of God, because he knew what he was called to do and who he was called to minister to. In his life, there was 22 or 23 confirmed people being risen, uh, risen from the dead. Through his ministry, 22 or 23, I want to say it's 23, but I don't want to get the number off. Confirmed people that were dead that came to life. Now, as the story goes, his wife was on her deathbed. She died. And there's no reason to not believe the account. There's no reason to think throughout his life it was, it was <clears throat> filled with integrity and filled with power. And so as the story is told, he went into the room and he sat her up and he commanded, in Jesus' name, I command life to come back into you. Her eyes open. 
And she looked at him and said, Smith, what have you done? I was with my Savior. I was with my Master. Please let me go. He let her go. Can you imagine how angry Lazarus must have been? (laughs) For four days, he was experiencing glory. For four days, he was experiencing heaven. I don't know exactly what heaven's like. All we know is what the Bible describes it as, but he was probably flying around with the angels like, hey, what's going on here? I don't know. He was probably having the time of his life, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, hey, Lazarus, not so fast. (laughs) Right? He goes back to his family. He must have heard the voice of Jesus and just went, okay, all right, Lord, this is what you called me to do. All right, thank you for giving me a glimpse of glory. I can't wait till I get back there. Jesus calls forth Lazarus, and in doing so, he shows his authority over death itself, right? If the people only knew that soon and very soon after this, It leads him to the place of the cross, what they call Golgotha, what we call Calvary. It leads him to this place where he will once and for all defeat death because he is the resurrection and the life. Amen? Stand with me this morning. Lord, I thank you this morning that we're not praying to some impersonal, apathetic God. We're not praying to someone who's disconnected from our pain or our sorrows. We're not praying to someone who's disconnected from our lives and passionless and compassionless. Lord, I thank you for your passion and compassion in my life. Lord, I thank you for your compassion and your grace, your mercy in my life. So many times where I feel like I failed, so many times where I feel in a depression, so many times where I feel in despair, but Lord, you are continually faithful. We know that there are times in our lives where we can't understand your plan, we can't understand your purpose because of our limited perspective, but Lord, I pray that you would still give us comfort and peace. That even from our limited perspective, we would still put our faith and trust in you. Because you are the resurrection and the life. You are the bread of life. You are the light of the world. You are the door or the gate. And you are the good shepherd. Thank you that in continuing this series, we can discover more and more of who you are. Lord, I pray that as we leave this building, as we turn off the TV or turn off the Facebook or turn off the YouTube, Lord, I pray that even those who are connecting outside of the church, Lord, that this message would not leave us. That even as we experience life together, we we go through highs and we go through lows. And sometimes the highs are very high and sometimes the lows are extremely low. 
And many times we go through it as family. We go through it together. Lord, I thank you for being a part of our lives. For intimately guiding us where we go. Lord, I pray that we would hear and listen to what it is you speak into our lives. That we wouldn't dismiss it or gloss over it. That when there are guttural groanings of pain and mercy, you are there to comfort and sustain us. When there are pains of tragedy, you are there to comfort and sustain us. We thank you again for your mercy. Lord, I pray over those who are here this morning. Lord, I pray that you... Lord, I pray that you would touch us this morning. Lord, I pray that you would bless us. I pray that you would keep us. Lord, I pray that you would cause your face to shine down upon us. I thank you, Lord, that you will give us rest. In Jesus' name, amen. How many glad to hear the word again this morning? Amen. He is the resurrection and the life. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Hey, listen, we love you guys. Uh, Take care throughout the week. If you need anything, please let us know. If we can help out in any way, we want to be able to do that. And uh, other than that, God bless you. We love you. Have a great week. Goodbye. Thank you.